It's good to be back with you again on an exciting day in a very exciting period of our time. Not the greatest, sometimes the hardest, but it's always exciting when you know that your life is in God's hands. You know, none of these things we are going through surprise us because the Word of God has written about this time and the times to come. And uh, last week we started uh, on something called the grace of God. You know, when you understand the grace of God, then you get to understand who God is. We talked about God's saving grace. And uh, this time, this week, I mean, I want to talk to you about God's healing grace. God's healing grace. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you at this time. And Lord, we ask that you speak to our hearts. I pray for those who have gone through tough times, who are hurting, who have... Lord, some of them have carried some of these wounds for years and years. I pray that today as they hear your word and as they look to you, you will bring healing into their life and you will make the difference. Let Dishan decrease. Let the Holy Spirit increase. Lord, let your will be done. Speak to us from your word and change all of us according to your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and Amen. You know, nobody sails through life. We all have problems. We all have hurts. You even have, some of you may have hidden wounds. You have some emotional scars that nobody else sees. But they're there. And you know what? They hurt. Another thing I've learned in life is that one of the deepest causes of those hurts is rejection. We all face it at different times in life. Rejection from parents, rejection from peers, rejection from uh, uh, partners, from spouses, ex-spouses, you know, from so-called friends. So today, I want to look at God's healing grace and how He heals the hidden wounds of our life. We looked at saving grace last week and today, I want to look at healing grace. It's all to do with God's grace. Now the word of God tells us in Psalm 147.3, Psalm 147.3, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. How does God heal hidden wounds? The word of God tells us by changing the way we think. By changing our minds, by changing how we see God, how we see the pain, and particularly how we see ourselves. So let's read the word of God, Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. You see, if you want to change your life, if you want to get well, if you want to get over your hurt, you got to change the way you think. The Bible says this in Proverbs 23, 7. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, if you see yourself as a loser, you're going to tend to be a loser in life. If you see yourself as a victim, you're going to tend to put yourself in situations where you are victimized. 
If you see yourself as a failure, you're going to tend to reinforce what you feel about yourself and you are going to fail. It's very simple. You see, the Bible says our beliefs determine our behaviors. The way we think determines the way we act. You see, growing up, and um, we tend to uh, accept whatever adults around us said. And we took it as the truth. Some of it was not the truth. Right? If they said things like, you're never going to amount to anything. You know, you filed that away and, and tended to believe it. Or they said, you're not good. You're dumb. Can't you do anything right? What happens? You file that data in your mind. Some of you today are still acting on those statements. Today I want us to look at what God says about you. I want you to forget about what somebody else deposited into you years ago and messed you up and to concentrate on the one perfect person, the one who really cares and loves you beyond measure, without condition, and that is what God says. These are true statements and because of his grace, what he says about you. So here's the first one. The first thing God says about you is you are acceptable. Write it down. Take a paper, pen, write it, get it in your heart. You are acceptable. That's pretty good to start off with because most of us spend our entire lives trying to be accepted by others. We want to be acceptable to our parents, to our friends, to our enemies even. And sometimes to people we envy, uh, some even by total strangers. You know, most of us do not realize that the drive to be accepted is behind many of the things you do in life. Your desire to be accepted influences the way you dress. Yes, that's why you get some of these crazy styles. It's the way your hairstyle is, the kind of car you drive, the kind of house you live in, the career you choose, and many other things. You know, some people don't have, they're broke, no money, no money in the bank, right? Like somebody said, trying to keep your place in the rank without money in the bank, right? Just because they want to be accepted. People will do the craziest things in order to be accepted. People do all kinds of crazy things just to feel accepted by somebody. You know, some of you, you've got it in your mind. If I could just be perfect, then everybody would love me. Then everybody would accept me. Friend, I'm sorry to tell you this, but that won't work either. Even if you were perfect, people are going to reject you. The Bible says Jesus was perfect. Yet he was despised and rejected of men. He was rejected by his own people. The problem, my friend, is not perfection. The problem was with the people. Jesus tells us that this issue is settled when we accept his grace. Let's look at Romans 15.7. Romans 15.7 says this, Christ has accepted you. Wow. Notice, it just says Christ has accepted you. There is no condition. It doesn't say Christ will accept you if you go to church every week. It doesn't say Christ will accept you if you read the whole Bible. Christ will accept you if you promise to be perfect. Or he'll accept you if you keep the Ten Commandments. No. 
It's unconditional. You know why? Because it's based on God's grace and not on your performance. The word of God says this, that God has chosen you. 1 Peter 2, 9. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, you have been chosen by God himself because of his grace. You see, remember as a, as a child, how good it felt to be chosen? Like being chosen on the right team. Remember during the interval or maybe after school, uh, two popular kids are the captains of the cricket teams and then they begin to pick people. And they choose one, okay, come on this side, other one, come on that side. They choose the, 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 the good guys, right? And there you are standing and you're praying, oh God, don't let me be the last person to be chosen. Yeah, you know the bad feeling of I'm the last one. I am the reject. And sometimes when it comes to the last one, they said, okay, you, uh, you, you choose what side you want to go. Any side you go, it doesn't make a difference. And you feel that rejection, right? But being chosen does a lot of good. You get strong. Your self-esteem uh, gets stronger, right? It gets revived. It does you good to be chosen. When you're chosen for an award or promotion or, or special recognition, it does good. So the word of God says, you were chosen by God. You were chosen by God. You are acceptable by His grace. You know, some of you, you grew up with unpleasable parents or a parent. No matter what you did, it was never good enough. If you got C's, then they wanted B's. If you got B's on your report card, then they wanted A's. If you got A's, they wanted all A's. And if you got all A's, then they wanted you to excel in sports also. So no matter what you did, either they were unwilling or unable or something, they just did not give you the approval and the acceptance that you probably craved for. Some of you today are still trying to earn your parents' acceptance. And maybe they are even dead. Or maybe they live in another country. But in the back of your mind, you're hearing you're never going to amount to anything. You know, you're thinking, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove to them. And you're still reacting to your parents. And, 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 and what's happening is, everybody around you, your spouse, your children, people you care about, you're messing their lives because here you are, still living in the past on some past statement by an incomplete, not perfect person, and you're responding to them rather than responding to God. Friend, let me be honest with you and be very frank. If you did not get your parents' approval or acceptance as a child, you know, in all likelihood, you're never going to get it now. But I want to tell you, it's their problem and it's not yours. In all likelihood, they're never going to say, I you approve of everything you do. Let me say something else, even more important. Now, some of you are going to get upset with me when I say this, but the truth is, you don't need it. You don't need their approval as you have moved on in life. You're an adult, right? To be happy in life. There are over 7 billion people in this world. It's okay that two people don't like you. There are, there are uh, plenty of other people who will accept you and love you and not judge you and not hold a standard that there is no way you're going to live up to. 
friend, if God accepts you, then they have got a problem. It's not your problem. Psalm 27.10 says this, Even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. What is God saying? He says, I accept you. If God accepts me and you don't, well, then that's your problem. So remember, God accepts you. Second thing he says is, you are accepted and you are valuable. Number two is, you are valuable. I am valuable. Why? Because of God's grace. I am worth something. How much do you think you're worth? I'm not talking about your net worth. I'm talking about your self-worth. You know, net worth and self-worth have no relationship whatsoever. Your value has no relationship to your valuables, right? Two things determine value in life. The first one is, write this down, it's who owns it. Who owns it? You see, first the ownership determines the value of something. We all know that something that's owned by a celebrity is far more valuable than something that's owned by any one of us. For instance, uh, I think um, a car that is owned by uh, Elvis Presley, right, uh, will sell far more, even though it's old, than your car, right? How about your cricket bat, the, your old cricket bat? I bet you Sanat Jayasurya's cricket bat will fetch far more money and attention than your bet. Why is that? Because the fact is the owner of something adds value to something that is normally just common. So my question to you is, today, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Look at God's word. 1 John 4.4 4. 1 John 4.4 4. It says, you belong to God. You belong to God. Imagine your value. When you come to Christ and say, Jesus, I accept your gift of salvation. I accept your gift of grace. And you step across that line. God puts you in his family. All of a sudden, you now belong to God. God creates everyone, but everyone does not belong to God. Listen to me. God creates everyone, but that does not mean that everyone belongs to God. Only those who belong to God, they are the ones who choose to say, God, put me in your family because of my faith in Christ Jesus. You see, but if you've done that, then you belong to God. You know what that means? You know what that tells me about your value? That you are priceless. The second way you, you determine value, right? The first way is who owns it. The second way is how much is it worth? How much is it worth? You know, basically what I'm saying is what if, what is somebody willing to pay for it? That's how much it's worth. Okay, let's say how much is your house worth? You know, it's only worth whatever anybody is willing to pay for it. You, you may have paid uh, 15 million for it. But if the highest offer you now have is 10 million, guess what? It's worth 10 million. You see, how much was paid for it determines the value. The same way, let me ask you, 
how much was paid for you? How much was paid for you? 1 Corinthians 7, 23, it says this, You have been bought and paid for by Christ. In other words, his own life he gave for you. Okay, You have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. The greatest ransom ever paid was when Jesus Christ paid for your sins and you were bought with a price and God exchanged his own son for you. You know what God said? He said, son, daughter, you are valuable enough that I will give my own son to die for you. That's how valuable you are. If you want to know your value, look at the cross. Jesus' outstretched hand says, this is how valuable you are. This much. This is how much you matter to me. This is how much I care about you. You matter this much. You know, when people say to you, you're worthless, you're, you don't amount to much, they're dead wrong. They are lying. God says you matter this much. Jesus did not die, my friend, for useless junk. Jesus died for you because you are valuable to him. He accepts you. You're valuable to him. And then finally, the third one I want to tell you is that you are lovable. He loves you. You're lovable, right? You know, when you've had a broken heart, when you've been rejected, uh, you don't feel too lovable. When somebody has rejected you, maybe a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, parent, whatever, you don't feel lovable. You feel like a loser. Oh, nobody loves me. I'm not worth anything. I'm not loved by anybody. I want to tell you, you're wrong. Because the word of God says, Isaiah 54.10, God's word never lies, right? God's word says, the mountains and hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. So says the Lord who loves you. God's love, my friend, will never end. You know, there are two characteristics that make God's love different from human love, right? The first one is, right, God's love is consistent. It's never going to end. It's consistent. God is not fickle. God is not changing his mind every moment. I like you today, I'll get lost tomorrow. No, God doesn't have bad days and good days. Most of us have experienced inconsistent love because we live with human beings. We are all inconsistent. So I one lady said, you know, growing up from day to day, I never knew whether I'd be hugged or slugged. It depended on the mood that my mother was in. You see, we, we grow up with inconsistent love. Inconsistent love produces insecure children. But God says, my love is never going to change. My love is never going to change. It's consistent, God's love. Secondly, God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. It's not based on performance. It's not based on measuring up. You see, when you say, I love you if you love me, that's condition. That's conditional love, right? When you say, I love you if you'll marry me, that's conditional love. Or, I love you if you meet my needs, 
again conditional love obviously when those needs stop being met what happens <clears throat> people divorce people leave each other or when you say i love you because well that's conditional i love you because you make me feel good what happens uh, when they stop making you feel good i love you because you're good looking you're beautiful what happens when they lose their beauty they get older that's conditional love i love you because you're talented what happens tomorrow when you meet somebody who is even more talented do you leave them and go for somebody else that's conditional love but god but god but god says to you i love you full stop that's it i love you end of story no conditions no qualifiers just in my grace you don't ever have to ask i wonder if god's going to love me tomorrow did i pray enough did i read enough of the bible friend his his love is not conditioned upon your performance you see it's grace god says in christ i am acceptable i am valuable i am loved even when i don't feel very lovely he still loves me his love is consistent you know to talk about god's healing grace i want you to listen to a real life testimony i want you to listen how when there was hurt and no hope how the healing grace of god came and touched and changed a life i was not of an age of understanding when challenging circumstances of life caused my mother to have to do it alone and i was just a mere baby uh, just a few months old i never grew up in a home that consisted of two parents physically um i've i never knew i've never known what it was like to have a father at home or the perfect family structure that is truly a blessing for a family to have it's difficult for a person like me to um compare what could have been as i didn't have such an experience that a regular family would have um i grew up under the guidance and love of my mother who is extremely special to me um and who has had a massive responsibility in playing a role a, a, a dual role of father and mother um and at that time life as it was uh it never presented itself to be easy um either economically or emotionally um as we encountered many challenges that a single parent and a child would experience and this was back in the 70s um times are different now today uh as such situations are more common in society but the hurts and the experiences are still very very real uh or i may add more serious and harmful today of course during my life uh there were many occasions in my childhood uh that i would ask questions why what if or even how extremely engaging moments for a child a teenager a young girl um you know and it's at these crucial moments that we see many today making choices that determine a very very different course in their lives um 
such situations in my life left me very timid. Um, it brought on issues of self-esteem, self-worth, uh, concerns with trust, and I was just broken from inside. But today, with utmost joy and confidence, I can stand here, or rather sit here, and tell you that God's healing grace alone was sufficient for me. God came into my life as my father, as my provider, as my protector, giving me stability. I was not weighed down by the stress of the circumstances that my family or my mother was going through. Today, I have a great relationship with my father, who is very much part of my family. And, and in fact, I spoke to him before sharing this testimony because our relationship today is at a stage where we can talk about the past and the present. And that is what God can do. He can bring in healing, He can bring in restoration, He can bring in comfort, and He can bring in fulfillment and give your family purpose and forgiveness. His healing grace is sufficient when the burdens of life are overwhelming, when you think you can't go a step further, when the struggles take you to the precipice of giving up on everything in life. You know, we may have lacked the latest. We may have lacked the finest or the fastest, but that doesn't matter because we never lacked the blessings of God. Once you stand in the principles of God, you will always, always walk in the blessings of God. I want you to know that if you are going through a similar situation, that there is hope in Christ. He will never abandon you. He will never let your hand go. His healing grace was sufficient 2,000 years ago and it's sufficient for you today. Before I close, I want to say that knowing what my mother went through, I have the utmost respect for single parents who handle the dual parent role. You know, it's a massive commitment and a, and a sacrificial life. And I want to say, God bless you abundantly and supernaturally enlarging your territories.